Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Own the Microphone. Bridget McGowan here, and I have uh, an amazing person with me. I'm telling you, dapper to the bone, Granison Shines. And let me tell you, he is shining all the way around. I tried to. No, I tried to. <laughs> no doubt. He just wakes up shining. I mean, when you have the name Shines, that's just what you do. <laughs> I love his name, always, right? <laughs> have to. <laughs> Granison, you are a professional speaker. You're an entrepreneur. You're an author, trainer. Uh, you're a coaching professional. Tell me, how did you get started as a professional speaker? Was this something that just you you always thought of it as a kid? It just landed in your lap? Mm-hmm. How did it happen for you? It landed into my lap during my corporate days. I started my first corporate job at the age of 17. By the time I was 18, my boss was telling me, hey, you know, I want you to go present to the quote, higher ups, the guys upstairs, the guys who wore the suits. And I'll never forget that day. It was very nerve wracking. I, this was my first time presenting in front of someone or a group of people that I didn't really know, but I had to present something that was of value to the organization. And when I went upstairs, I fit right in, lost a million dollars in the actual spreadsheet, but I fit right in. And I, I just, from there, it was always this, this wanting to get right back in front of people sharing knowledge. So once I got a hold of that, that just spawned everything. Whoa, 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 whoa. Had you done any kind of public speaking before then, or was this it? No, that was the first time Bruce Powers was was my, my boss at the time. Excellent boss gave me a quick overview of what to present. I went in and just made sure I understood the content that I was presenting and then after that, after I left that organization, I, I started stu- tutelage under this gentleman named Tom Antion. And Tom, this was way back in the day, Tom Antion had this program and I went to, I bought his, his speaker program and then I actually went to the conference and then I went to another gentleman, I forgot his name. Um, I, I can see the, I can see the guy's face, but that one was in Las Vegas. And that's where I really found the passion for public speaking. And from there on, it was, it was a wrap. I love it. Now, you started your corporate career at the age of 17. How old yes. were you when all of a sudden you had to go do this presentation to these higher-ups? I was about 18, 18 and a half, somewhere around there. I was on that job for about four years. And I, from that point on, 18 on, I, I've done many, many presentations, more in an office setting. But then I also had some to – I had an opportunity to do some off-sites. When I say office, meaning that it was in a conference room. But then I also had the opportunity to do some that was off-site. And I also had to do an opportunity for in, in the church as well. And that really gave me the broader audience, but it also laser focused my attention on being presentable when I am in front of an audience. And that's where, again, that passion just kept swelling up and never died down. Butterflies, yes, initially until I start speaking and then it just flows out and I have fun with it. That's the main thing. I just make sure I have fun with it as well. So you have the butterflies, and I think almost any professional speaker who's honest with you is going to tell you that we have the butterflies before any kind of presentation. And and I'm not just talking about formal presentations in front of dozens or hundreds of thousands of people. I'm talking about even one-on-one situations. Any presentation, yep, exactly. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. 
So how do you deal with that? How, how do you, what do you do? How do you deal with it? So one part of my life that I didn't share yet was learning martial arts. I started martial arts when I was 15 years old. And my seafood taught us what we call the five parts of the self, self-confidence, self-esteem, self-worth, self-image, and self-control. And he was really big on self-control and self-control being the hardest one to master. But as you are, so what most people don't understand is that martial arts and sparring and exchanging techniques, it's all about communication. It's all about verb, non-verbal communication. Also, it's about verbal communication as well, right? And understanding where proprioception is, where your body is and the, the other person's body, but a lot of observing. But the control piece is what really, really he honed in on. He drilled control into us. And so when I feel those butterflies, I go back into my martial arts mindset and start controlling that and not letting it out of hand to where it becomes glassophobia, which is, of course, the number one phobia. And so I manage that tremendously, and I pay very close attention to it. That's one of the ways that I just get it out of there and, and maintain it. Give us those five tenets from martial arts once more, or those five principles. Sure. So we call it the five parts of the self. Self-confidence, really, really big. And we found that a lot of people communicate according to their self-confidence. And in fact, that has a lot to do with public speaking as well. Your self-esteem, self-image, self-worth, and self-control. Again, self-control being that really, really tough one that you always, always, always have to manage and maintain. My husband and I have a little boy. My husband and I have a little boy and he started Taekwondo uh, in recent weeks. And it you reminded me of the three. Oh, and see, I see I'm not enrolled, so I don't have to pay close attention to what's being taught. I believe it was they they drill them on. I yes, I focus, Mm -hmm. mind focus and body focus. Absolutely. And, and, and they, they do little things with, with their bodies where, you know, if they're kind of slumped over, they'll ask, do I have body focus right now? How can I tell yeah. if you're, if you have body focus? And so for my listeners, I want you to think about eye focus, where are your eyes during that presentation? Absolutely. Mind focus, what is your mind on? And body, what is your body doing? Or yeah. those five Principles of self, if you will, are those five parts of self. Self-confidence. Know that you've got this. Head up, yes. chin up, eyes laser focused, shoulders back. Yep. Self-esteem. Know that you are bringing something to the table and you Absolutely. are worthy and you are, yes, that you've got this. Self-image. Yes. And I'm telling you, that just starts with shh, the clothes. Put on what you makes know, you feel. That's right. How do you see yourself when you look in the mirror? I'm t- Granison would tell you that in a second, it starts with threads. You put on what mm. makes you feel like a million oh, yeah. bucks. So <laughs> okay. Get a so couple important. of those outfits that make you feel just right. And for yeah. ladies, like there's a certain cut of dress that just works perfectly for me. My husband oh, makes yeah. fun of me because there's this one particular dress by Ralph Lauren and I have it in about five different colors. Same color. Ooh, same nice. But I, it, it, that is the dress that works for me and makes me feel like a million or a billion bucks. But get that self image and just loving what you see in the mirror. And then Absolutely. the self worth. Everybody has value. Everybody Everyone has value to the table. Yes. And then that control and using those three 
foci, if you will, from my son's right. Taekwondo class. Those are the only three things I remember from class. <laughs> <laughs> the eye control, the eye focus, the mind focus, and the body focus. Okay. And all three of those are so important, Bridget. They're massively important. Master those three things right there. And you can see those opportunities that present themselves in front of you and, and adhere to those appropriately. Is that that's that's I love that absolutely. Learning and by the way, life. by the way, everybody. So I mentioned in the introduction that Granison is not only a speaker, entrepreneur, author, uh, a trainer, and coaching professional, but he's also an author. And yes. he was just talking about nonverbal communication. So one of his books, yes, one of his books, uh, he co-authored with his business partner Yasmin Murray. Uh, uh, is uh, the essentials of verbal and nonverbal communication. Am I getting that Absolutely. right, Granison? So that's, that's one of his books. Yes, yes. yes. The, yeah, the essentials of verbal and nonverbal communication. Uh, pick that one up, uh, because as you can tell here, he, he, he knows that nonverbal communication world and it can speak volumes. Yes. It can, it, does. it can, Absolutely. it can tell your audience so much about you before you even open your mouth. It very much, I say that all the time. In fact, that's one of my quotes that I talk about that in relation to confidence. Your confidence speaks loudly even before you utter your very first words. So you're absolutely hitting a nail on the head there. It's how we think in our classes. That's exactly. The, the way you walk up to that microphone, mm-hmm. always keep a smile okay. on your face. You, yes. you, you have no idea. That smile communicates strength. It communicates yeah. magic. It, it is infectious. It is nearly impossible to pass by someone who's smiling and you don't also smile. Exactly. It, demonstra- yeah. it demonstrates that you are loved, that you have a family at home, a circle of friends, a yes. network who is going to rally around you and uplift you no matter what this audience does to you. That, yeah. <laughs> that smile says that you're loved. <laughs> and then my last one, my last one is that smile, it gives people a sense of energy and it shows that you are empowered. So use the letters from the word smile to remember that the strength, the magic, the infectiousness of your smile, the fact that you are loved. And then finally that you're bringing in energy and you're showing that you empower, you are empowered when you bring that smile. Yeah. If nothing else, if you don't do any, we all know how to smile. We all know how to crack a smile, right? Or at least it doesn't take that much energy either. It's just brighten someone's day with a smile. Yes, absolutely. Isn't it true, Granison, that it takes fewer more muscles to smile than it does to frown? Mm-hmm. Yes, make more muscles in the face to frown than it does to smile. Exactly right. Funny how that works, right? It's, and this is so much more inviting and so much more open and so much more friendly than than a, a frown, a, a scowl on the face, a frown or a scowl on the face. Absolutely. Exactly. Now I know your world is in uh, leadership. And uh, communication and nonverbal communication. As a matter of fact, uh, Granison has another book called Let In But Left Out, Leadership, mm-hmm. Faith, and Knowledge in the Age of AI, Coronavirus, and Fake News. That one, I've definitely got to get a copy of that one. But uh, so you... you 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 focus a lot on leadership and a lot on nonverbal communication. What do you typically speak on and how did you find yourself speaking on that topic or in that area? I'm really passionate about communication. Most organizations that bring us in, they will ask about the communication first. What often follows is the leadership and accountability. So we have three foci, but we lead with the communication. 
And as I explained to you earlier, we've been utilizing the nonverbal communication since my days in martial arts, understanding that nonverbal aspect. We have nine types of nonverbal communication. And so we have uh, utilized that to teach leaders and to teach subord their subordinates, teach other team members how to appropriately utilize nonverbal communication. But even as important is the verbal communication, making sure that we understand those principles of how we communicate and our Modality, or we have eight different modalities in our system, and each one of those has at least four pillars. So like the five parts of the self, five parts of authentic self, the five levels of thinking, six principles of mastery, and so forth. There's eight of those. And in, in one communication, we're talking just receiving and, and transmitting a message. We have so many other aspects going on. Our emotions take place, our imagination, the intellect is also there, the confidence, the self-esteem, the, the first level thinking, which is about me, or altruistic thinking about someone else, and repetition. So all those factors. So I we and through martial arts, we took, and Sifu always said, they said, Grandison, everything we're learning inside martial arts regarding communication and nonverbal communication, you can utilize outside the classroom. And I took that and just made it the system and started teaching it in the business world as well. Very nice. Mm -hmm. What was one of the biggest mistakes you made as a speaker and how did you fix it? One of the biggest mistakes, very good question, by the way. One of the biggest mistakes I made was not making an offer because, and here's why I say this. This one gentleman, I forgot where we were, I think I believe it was in Las Vegas, came on stage and did a very fantastic presentation and and I wanted to learn more. And I don't know what kind of arrangement they had about the speakers who come up on the stage and then speak, but he left without giving me information on where to get more. And I felt like I had not learned and or could not learn even more that I wanted to learn and absorb and feed my intellect. I was hungry for the information he was talking about and I couldn't feed it. I couldn't get any more sustenance from his talk and I didn't know where to get. And then, and I couldn't, we, at the time he went backstage, I got up and I could not find the guy. I asked the gentleman who was running the, the opportunity, the whole event, Hey, where does sustenance go? And he was like, well, let me try to find them. Didn't find them. And so I learned that if I don't at least give someone the opportunity to get more information, I may be completely doing them a disservice. So we have people that really frown on selling. And it's not about selling, but I'm, I'm like, let me let you know where you can get more information if you want it. That did not taste good for me. And I would never want anyone to have that same experience. So that was, but I did that one time and I was like, oh, shoot, you know what? I just took something away from that person. So, yes, go into a presentation assuming your audience is going to want to know more. Yes, very. That's a mindset you have to adopt. Absolutely. Just go in there assuming this because number one, an effective presentation is not going to give your audience every single thing there is to know right. about your topic, especially if you have only 60 minutes or yeah. 90 minutes. Right, right. When, when yeah. you are just throwing everything at them that you have and hoping something sticks, that doesn't work. You want right. to go in only giving them maybe three to five big topics right. and know that something will stick. But at the same time, you've got this whole you know, warehouse of knowledge, if you will, <laughs> in your right. head yeah. that opens up opportunities for another speaking engagement, 
Mm -hmm. or that opens up opportunities for another conversation for you to, uh, you know, look at other opportunities to discuss possibilities and so on and so forth. You don't want to give them everything you have in that one presentation. It's like going on a date. You want you know, to you don't just dump, right? You don't just dump on the first date. No. Yes. You, you sit out. Exactly. Yes. Right. You want some mystery <laughs> and some intrigue, but then at the same time, you want to provide them with a way to learn more, to right. get more, yes. to continue the conversation. Right. So it may not be selling someone a product or service, sure. but it could be providing them with some sort of a call to action right. so that when your presentation ends, it doesn't truly end. The conversation well doesn't end, right? Yes. And it could be a book. And I, when I tell you every single person out there who has been in your industry for at least three years, five years at least, three to five years, you need a book. You need to write a book. It's yeah. beautiful on the resume. Yeah. And yes, there are tons of people who have written the same thing uh, or written about the same topic, but not the way you've written it. Not the way you've written it. That's exactly right. And yeah. that is another way to give people more of you as opposed to just ending the presentation and the conversation does, they don't have a way to continue right. the conversation. You have not sold them anything. You haven't told them about a book. You haven't told them about how to get in touch with you, how to get more and so on. Well said. Absolutely. So everybody, Granison is the co-founder at, and tell me if I'm saying this correctly, Sadire or It's, it's a French word that means magnoring electric track, but in French it's Cedre. You say Suduri. 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 Okay. That's the yes. English version. Right. I'm glad that you're giving me a very simple English version, English version because I am from Southeast Texas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. See, I didn't even right. have to say anything else. <laughs> exactly. My mom is from Texas. I'm from the Beaumont area, so I know what you're saying. I'm I'm originally from Beaumont too. That's crazy. Oh, wow. oh small world. Small yes, world. yes. We'll have to talk more offline. That's wild. Uh, at any rate, yeah, multisyllabic words sometimes just don't work quite quite right with me. Okay, so Saduri. No. Saduri. So he's with Saduri International. He's the co-founder. He's a, it's a business mindset training and coaching organization, and Gar and Granison helps entrepreneurs and leaders in organizations master the skill set of communication so they can grow their business and so they can be successful. And it doesn't matter what industry you're in. I'm telling you, communication is the cornerstone of it, whether it's written or verbal or nonverbal. Again, he's the author of two books. One he co-authored with his brother, Frank Shines. That's pretty cool. And that's the one I was talking about a little bit earlier, let in but left out, Leadership, Faith, and Knowledge in the Age of AI, Coronavirus and Fake News. And then the other one he co-authored with his business partner, Yasmin Murray. And that book is called The Essentials of Verbal and Nonverbal Communication. So make sure you pick up a copy or two of both of them. And when I say or two, that means give one to a colleague. There you go. Now, Granison, how do you help people see the power in their voices? Can you give us maybe one small strategy or one small technique that someone can put in place right now or within a few days, sure. if you will, that helps them realize and really bring to fruition the power in their voices. Sure. I, I'm gonna, can I give you two? Can right. you? 
The first one. Yes, yes. All right. Perfect. Thank you. The first one, which we always hinge on. So that book, the second book that I was telling you about that I wrote with my, my business partner, Essentials of Verbal and Nonverbal Communication, was a program, which we call program number one at first. And that one really focuses on the entrepreneur, but making sure, and this is true for leaders, no matter where you are or entrepreneurs, is the confidence piece is very, very important. Understanding the confidence aspect of when you are communicating, how to communicate with confidence. So we take this broad subject of communication and we narrow it down to communication confidence. And those two go together, leadership communication confidence as well. Leadership communicate also confidently in order to manage and to, to lead subordinates correctly. So confidence is one. Understanding that you want to increase your level of confidence, your self-confidence. And with that, we always, we also talk about your opportunity of recording yourself. And this is how we, we get people to understand the power of their voice and whether or not they are speaking with confidence. We have in our program, we always have them record a video. And what we have found is that when that little red light comes on on their camcorder sometime or the blue light comes around their camcorder, their, their webcam, they get what happens. The butterflies start coming up and they get intimidated. Even if they're not speaking to them, even if they're just looking in the camera. So we have them and then we take that video and we go through that with them to hear their voice inflections if they have any or if they're monotone, maybe they need to have more inflection or if their voice is a bit shaky and then how to correct that. But that has a lot to do with the level of confidence. We found that those two go together. So you increase your confidence. And when you start vocalizing, you start hearing your voice. A lot of people hear their voice at the first, very first time. I don't think I sound like that. Well, yeah, you do. And it's just a matter of understanding how those two work together so you can lift both of them up at the same time and then understand the power of your voice by utilizing voice inflection to help with that as well. So don't talk like this. No matter who you're talking to, put something in. Right. (laughs) Right? No. Voice inflection. With dry eyes. Yeah, and understand how to project, understand how to to minimize when you need to, understand the pitch, the tone, the volume, the speed when you're communicating and how that can shape your message and get the salient points out there and get some of the, and getting all the information right into the person's ear so they can learn from that information that you're talking about. Yes, sound, sound interesting. I have a friend and colleague because, well, let me, I'll come back to that idea in a second, okay. but I know we're, we're saying intonations and inflections mm-hmm. and, and, you know, changing the rate and the pace at which you're speaking. And you're thinking, well, well, huh, what? I, Southeast Texas, I'm about to bring it to you, Southeast Texas style. Sound interesting. My friend and colleague, Damon Givehan, will say it in a minute. He'll say, if you want people to be interested, then you need to sound interesting. Very much so. Absolutely. If you want your audience interested, excited, leaning in, then you need to be exciting and sound interesting and you need to lean into their needs. That mirror effect, right? And that just, yes. And that just goes with just not sounding like this and not just not sounding boring. And oh, here's, here's something super, super easy you can do. If you have children's books around your home or go to your local library and grab a children's book or Mm -hmm. get buy one online, whatever, get get one online, read a children's book 
aloud, but pretend you are reading it to a child. Or if you have a child, even better, a, a preschool or elementary age child, read that book to that child or niece or nephew or what have you. And, 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 and read it in an animated fashion so you yes. can get a sense of what we're talking about, about sounding interesting, about changing the intonation and having different inflections with your voice. And it doesn't have to be any new book. We can do the three little pigs or bears or something, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's powerful. That's awesome. Very powerful so, technique to utilize. Yep. Try, right. Try that so you can see what we mean. Now, of course, you're not going to walk around sounding like a cartoon when you talk to folks, but right. just to give you you an idea of yes. what we mean by, you know, having a little bit more energy to your voice. And that will send the confidence through the roof. Thank you for that strategy. You're welcome. Everybody, we're about to do a lightning round, okay? We're about to do a lightning round before we before we get into the last question or two. I'm going to give you <laughs> I'm going to give you a couple of options and you're just going to take two seconds and tell me which one you would choose or which one you do choose. So okay. here we go. Granison, I think I know the answer to this one. I, I promise you I wrote this before we even <laughs> before we even got on camera. I promise we did. All I wrote right. this on a on an right. old post office receipt yesterday in preparation for this conversation. So here's the first one. Suit and tie or shirt and slacks? Suit and tie. Of course, right? Of course. Yes. Here's the next one. Lapel microphone or handheld? Lapel. Right. Large audience or intimate audience? Intimate audience. Keynote or workshop? Workshop. Uber or Lyft? Uber. <laughs> that was a different one in this nugget in there. I like that. Lectern or no lectern? No lectern. <laughs> okay. That's it for the lightning round. I want to come awesome. back and ask you a question about the choice between the lapel mic or the handheld mic. Sure. Why the lapel mic? I know I have my reasons for which one I would choose, but I'm curious to hear your your take. Gestures. I like to be animated at times. And there something about hand holding that microphone at times where it doesn't give me that same opportunity. But if I have both hands free, I can really project. I can really get into some of the nuances of, of my my passion and my speech. My, my talk when I'm speaking to the audience. So that's why I say lapel. Definitely lapel. The same How about here. You? You? The sa yeah. Same here. Yeah. And I cannot remember, I cannot remember what the presentation was about, where it was, the audience. I cannot remember, but I remember having a handheld mic. Mm -hmm. And how restrained I felt. It just, yes. it, I, it was, it was not my best performance. It wasn't my worst, but right. it was not my best performance. And I knew exactly why, why? I, I knew. Yep. I Thank knew. And yeah. I said going forward, and this was years ago, going forward when planning out the logistics of a presentation and working with my contact, mm -hmm. that was going to be the one requirement. Even if I had to provide yes. my own projector, my own yes. whatever, uh, own clicker, you've got to have a lapel microphone for me because you, I don't know what it is, but like you said, the gestures and the energy when yeah. you've got that microphone, because you've got yep. to keep it right here. Yes. So it limits, it yes. limits what you can do. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, I totally feel you on that. We had a 
technical malfunction one time and we had, we have lapel mics. We had four of them and the one that I had on at the worst time, it decides it wants to just go out and I had to grab the lapel, the handheld mic. And like you said, it was just wasn't the best performance. Didn't feel as free, felt constrained. It was like, ah, I had to work through the presentation and I kept having to bring it down. People, were like, oh, I could see, look at their eyes and see like, what is he saying? I'll bring it back up. So it's yeah, definitely the pill mic eliminates all of that. Okay. For me. All the way, all the way. If you had one last message to give listeners for how to own the microphone, what would it be, Granison? Understand communication because we're always communicating verbally and non-verbally. And when you're on the stage, you are also, people are reading your non-verbal cues even while you are talking. So understand communication on both sides, the verbal communication and the non-verbal, because like you said earlier, when you are walking out to that stage, if you don't have a smile on your face or how you, if you're slumping over when you walk or you're walking, you're sliding your feet, people read and hear those little small little nuances and start making judgments and calculations before you even open your mouth. And that's why I say learn both sides and operate in both sides in full control. Mm, people judge you before you even open your mouth. Yes, Cannot yes. stress that one enough. Granison, it has been an absolute privilege. Everybody, I'll mm-hmm. make sure you know how to get in touch with Granison beyond this conversation, as well as some opportunities that he has for you for further engagement and how to learn more. So that will be in the show notes. So don't worry. We've got you covered. Granison, I thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Own the Microphone. I'll catch you next time. But make sure you always, always, whether it's a one-on-one conversation or one-to-a-thousand presentation, always make sure you own the microphone.